Hi, I'm Kylie. And I'm Soraya. And welcome to But, but now, now What? The podcast that won't give you a tax write-off for listening. Sorry. But we wish we could. We definitely would if we could. Oh, and we might make you question your decision to eat Taco Bell three times a week. Just as a quick overview, we are organizing this podcast by sections. First, we will follow up with past commitments and then give a brief overview of the new topic for a few minutes. We will include resources and references to the information that we researched for this episode in the show notes. If this happens to be a topic that you aren't familiar with, those will be good starting places in learning more. And then when you're feeling sufficiently frustrated, not knowing what to do next with what you just learned, you can return and listen to the rest of the episode. The rest of each episode will be geared towards discussion of what to do next with the life-changing information you just learned about this specific topic. And then we'll finish off with a commitment for each of us to focus on for the next week. So typically we'd start our podcast episodes off with a but now what moment from the week. But I thought since we're so close to New Year's and this will be the last episode we record before then, I wanted to kind of reflect on 2021, some of our goals and plans for the podcast in 2022. And we did have a goal to get four full episodes recorded and ready to publish by January 1st. And we're going to make it, which I'm so excited about. Um, Not at all surprised. (laughs) I do have a problem with following through on things. So this is both exciting and surprising. Um, But what do you feel like has gone well so far? And what goals do you have for the podcast like over the next year? Well, first of all, just want to say that so proud of us. <laughs> so proud. I'm going to do some, hands. yeah, jazz hands, some snapping. <laughs> and uh, on my 10-hour drive down to visit family for the holidays uh, last week, I actually listened to some of our previous episodes and recordings to see if we had any final edits to make. Um, I just was kind of astounded at the difference between, it was really only three episodes at the time, episodes one and three. I was like, wow. I think we've really found our rhythm Mm -hmm. and what works for us. And I'm impressed at how adaptable that we've both been through the whole process. We've definitely had to re-record a lot of things less, but we're still re-recording this segment (laughs) right now. So we're still finding our footing. Um, I really love that this has been such a great creative and educational outlet for the both of us. And that we've stretched ourselves really far and played to our strengths, mostly your strengths. No. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, this next year I'm looking forward to hearing from audience members and getting feedback in what y'all like and what can make this podcast better. So please share with us. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we'll have a way to give us feedback both on Instagram, Twitter, and then a website that will be up mm-hmm. shortly. Send us a little email. And uh, I'm also really looking forward to some of our topics that we're going to include others in. So potential interviews or guests, Mm -hmm. someone else's voice to shake up the the mix. (laughs) I know how much you love listening to our voices, though. (laughs) So I know you'll miss them. But And lastly, and mostly, this is cheesy, but I'm looking forward to countless more hours of getting to be with you, Kylie. Stop. You can't see me, but my face is red as a tomato. Um, I'm also very excited about that. Uh, To be honest, this podcast, as much as it's um, that creative and educational outlet for us, Mm -hmm. it was really just a very large conspiracy to to convince you to spend more time with me. So now you know, secrets out. That's the only reason I said yes to this, so... And with that, uh, it's time to follow up on our commitment from the last episode. So on last week's episode, we were talking about boundaries and how to set and maintain them. Soraya, do you want to remind everyone what our challenge was? Yes. So the challenge was to identify where you need a boundary and then write that boundary down, communicate it to whomever you need to. This is a big one. Sorry, guys. And then give them time or express consequence for breaking that boundary. So Kylie, how did all of that go for you? This one was a tough one for me. Um, Boundaries were already on my mind a lot kind of going into the holidays. I knew I'd be with my family a lot and friends a lot. Um, And since stepping away from the LDS church last year, boundaries have definitely been something that I think both my family members and I have had to practice like setting and enforcing. Um, And then especially around a religious holiday, Mm -hmm. um, I think there's just more times that religion is going to come up in conversation and more traditions around like religious things um 
are going on. So uh, I definitely knew I was going to have to to communicate some areas where I might feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was actually really pleasantly surprised that my family did a great job of like proactively discussing a lot of those things with me. And I really never had to go too far out of my way um, to communicate those things. So I didn't have a lot of opportunities to do that with family, um, which ended up being a really big blessing. But um, at the same time with work, I was kind of stuck in a hard situation. So I have been at my current job for about three years and I've had a lot of opportunities to train new people who are coming onto my team. And the last couple of times I had opportunities to train, I was really stressed out, um, mostly because their expectations were that I would maintain like my same workload and also be training someone. Why is that always the expectation? Um, it's because capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, basically like be superhuman, um, have double the hours that you normally do. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was not looking forward to it. And when they approached me again about training this time, they wanted me to train two people. Um, and I decided I needed to speak up and this is what my opportunity to set a boundary. So I pulled my manager aside for a meeting and I let them know that I would be happy to train. Um, but that the expectations for my regular workload needed to be drastically adjusted, Mm -hmm. um, if I was going to do that, um, which was actually really cool. It opened a a big conversation, not just between my manager and I, but actually kind of across the department about, other people who had also had a similar experience training Mm -hmm. and they ended up kind of revamping the whole training program over the last couple weeks and I've been communicating with them and giving them feedback through that all and now our (laughs) my regular workload was reduced by like two-thirds um while I'm training people so I only have to do one-third of my regular work and then two-thirds of my time is training made all the difference Mm -hmm. in the world um only reason I'm still standing right now um because it is so busy and so stressful so that was a really really cool example of where a boundary had like a big positive impact damn Kylie I am so impressed with you and it sounds like those are boundaries that not only helped you with your mental and physical load during the holidays and at work in general but it's going to benefit your coworkers in the future too I hope so. Definitely. I always wonder why aren't we taught like how to communicate with um, managers like at work, especially about boundaries. Like that's one thing that, you know, coming out of college, I had no Mm -hmm. inclination (laughs) when it was appropriate to do that and when it wasn't. So Mm -hmm. I think even being able to do that on a personal level, again, kind of opened um, the floor to more people being able to communicate Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, people in positions to make an impact so a huge green flag for me with a job is having a manager that sets that precedent from the get-go. Yes. Yeah. Who is open to feedback and who makes that clear. Um, yeah, definitely grateful for a manager like that. And one thing that I did realize was I never wrote down my boundary, but I know that was a step that we talked about mm-hmm. last week. And that's one thing I wish I would have done only because I do think that that adds a, an additional layer of accountability. And mm-hmm. I know the whole reason that we're making a podcast is also for that additional accountability between mm-hmm. ourselves and for ourselves, you know, our past selves and our present selves mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of maintain some level of accountability. But I think that writing it down could even help Absolutely. me more. I think another level that maybe only impacts me or other socially anxious individuals, <laughs> I think sometimes that I steer away from a, a conversation or setting a boundary because I'm like, I don't really know how to word it. And I'm worried mm-hmm. that like my words are all going to goof up and I'm not going to be clear about it. Yep. Um, yeah. So I'm just like, oh, I'll just give away the whole thing. I, I do can, a lot of gifts. I can dissociate. I can do that. <laughs> I'm an expert at that. <laughs> well, if we had the audio for Go Little Rockstar right now, I would just, you know. I was going to sing it. Shout it out to you. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. I won't put you through that. <laughs> um, and As for myself, we've already discussed that I had this trip down to Arizona, Mm -hmm. and you know I had to already set some boundaries for this trip, for the health of my family, and setting some clear physical boundaries with masks and where we would be staying. Um, It was pretty well received uh, as we got closer to the trip. There was an initial blow up a couple months ago, Mm -hmm. um, but it was kind of done away with, and actually it was a really good trip with my family for that reason. However, a few days ago, um, Caleb and I, we had to have a conversation with our family about pictures of our daughter on social media. So Caleb and I are the oldest, 
you know this, and our kid was the only grandkid. Well, she was the only grandkid on both sides for a long time. She now has two little cousins on my side of the family. Um, but he's the, she's the only grandkid of Caleb's parents and is now joined by a cute little grand dog. Oh. Shout out to Teddy. We love Teddy. <laughs> um, so, so she gets a lot of pictures taken of her and a lot of them are shared on socials by both sides of the family. Anyways, we set a boundary saying that we didn't mind pictures of her in family pictures that were shared on socials, but that we were trying to be more intentional with our social media presence. And she is too little to be able to consent to having her picture posted, mm -hmm. really to have her picture taken at all. Um, so until she is older and can do that, we're trying to limit pictures of her on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> it's a hard there. one. Um, we're also trying to not just not overshare what's going on with our family and have things a little bit more private. And we weren't saying that our family members can't take pictures of her or even that you can't um, post a picture of her ever. Mm -hmm. We just wanted less posting and it to be intentional. This boundary was not well received. Ooh. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, big and hard emotions um, over our decision and the discomfort in the conversation in the room, it was palpable. Like, mm. I I can't remember the last time that I had that happen to me, Kylie, where like, I just was like, oof, I'm so uncomfortable. You can feel, uh -huh. yeah, the emotion. So I, personally almost back down from the boundary and I was gonna say it's not a big it's not a big deal you know never mind or it's my default <laughs> I know. don't worry about it the, the but <laughs> it's, it's not fine. a big deal <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. um, except it was a big deal to us and so we stuck to our boundary that we had written and discussed together and when individuals pushed back with questions or comments we were respectful but we didn't budge and I just had to remind myself that their displeasure with the boundary is valid um, but we didn't create the boundary to hurt their feelings. Yeah. We created it to keep our daughter safe and so that our relationship with them didn't feel more strained because what was happening is both of us were feeling increasingly frustrated or, or uncomfortable yeah. with what we saw. There can be like resentment growing, uh -huh. but when it's something that we haven't communicated, then it's hard because it's like we might resent the behavior, but also they haven't been given that opportunity to change and to right. adjust. Yeah. It's a big one. And I think especially even just generationally, there's <clears throat> there's a difference in, you know, our parents who, you know, social media is still relatively new in their right. in their lifetime. Um, and a lot of these things are exciting and new and the ability to post at any given moment mm -hmm. is like a novelty. And so, I mean, you get on Facebook and what, you see like twenty pictures of some random old neighbors grandkids right. who you're like I don't know these people at all but you know someone got excited with their phone camera around mm -hmm. the holidays and now you have you know a play-by-play -play of them eating their birthday cake or something <laughs> you know so it's easy to share a lot in a small amount of time but um something that is new also means like new conversations and right. new repercussions like I don't think a lot of them even think a lot about like safety or mm -hmm. um it's hard to when you're in utah and arizona and like your communities are so tight anyways that you yeah. feel that way uh one of the things that we talked about was just that it's odd to caleb and i when we have a stranger a complete stranger reach out to us and they're like i've loved seeing your daughter grow up and i'm like who are you yeah like i i'm upset that you're seeing my daughter grow up because i don't i don't know who you are yeah. that's a big one thanks for validating me Awesome. So now that we followed up on last week's challenge, we can transition a little bit to this week's topic, which is, so you want to donate to charity. Um, I'll take 500. <laughs> I thought all of our episodes should probably be named after um, really stupid game shows, um, but the idea was shut down. So. <laughs> Uh, but no, the timing of this episode I actually figured out was more perfect than I even expected when I chose this topic a while back. Because um, as I was researching, I figured out that about a third of all annual giving occurs in December. And 10% of all donations occur in the last three days of the year. Really? 
Uh, and likely that's just due to the emphasis on giving around the holidays and also the fact that the end of December signals the end of the tax year. So I didn't even think about that. Yeah, a lot of people are rushing to donate sick. in exchange for tax deductions. We're selfish as, you know, as humankind. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a question for you to open up uh, this discussion. Okay. So if I were to give you a million dollars tomorrow, this is not my own money. I, I'm broke. But with one <laughs> stipulation that you have to donate the entire amount to one organization of your choice, how would you go about making a decision about who to donate to? E- That's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many organizations that I love and I know would benefit from a million dollars. <laughs> Yeah, that's really hard for me to choose. Most likely, uh, something related to people without homes or shelter. Okay. Um, so yeah, not an easy choice for sure. Um, and I think both of us can agree. There's a lot of causes that we'd like to fund, a lot of causes that, again, deserve infinitely more funding than they receive. Uh, but I think the hardest part about deciding where to give when we do want to give time or resources is that it's not as simple as when it's a good cause, you should put your funds towards it. I think there's more to it than just choosing a good cause. There's a lot more that we have to consider about the organizations that we are donating to. Right. And I think especially when you have good intentions, but you also are lacking a lot of funds. <clears throat> How am I still a college student? Um, I think that that can be really difficult. Also, if it hasn't become apparent in the course of our episodes, like we are clearly... <laughs> We care about everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too much. My mom calls it my bleeding heart. Um, <laughs> but we do, we care about a lot of stuff. And uh, again, I have very limited funds. Um, so yeah, I, I, this topic is really important to me because if I have limited funds and limited resources to give, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm very intentional about where I put those funds and how I give them. Yes, exactly. As you may have noticed, we have a couple sponsored segments in our episodes now. We have one in every episode, and our hope is that we can use the funds, if we ever gain any funds from this, to then be able to donate to charities. So I think this is really good in helping us to prepare the way so that we can know what to look for and who to support. Yeah. Definitely. Again, when our funds are limited, um, then we want to make sure that we are putting them towards the best cause that we can um, and making sure that the organizations that we are donating to, that the money is actually going where we think it's going or where we hope it's going. Um, And there's just a lot of examples of times where uh, you might make a well-intentioned donation or donate to a cause that is very common or um, very well-known. Like a good example of this is the Salvation Army. Like Mm -hmm. you see... um, You know, you see employees dressed up as Santa around the holidays, ringing their bell. They have the kettle out. Like, it's pretty common to see them around um, raising raising funds. And although um, that organization often um, implies in a lot of their, like, communications and their advertising that um, all those funds go directly to um, those without shelter, Mm -hmm. the more research that you do into their distribution of funds and also some other questionable um, decisions um, made by the institution, um, I definitely think that, you you know, you start wondering, like, is this the best place for my funds to go? Just because it's the most common and I see it the most doesn't mean it's the most positive. Um, And so I did a little bit more digging actually into the Salvation Army, just since it's one of the most common around the holidays and we see it a lot. Mm -hmm. There was actually a writer, uh, Zinnia Jones, and she wrote a piece in the Huff Post in 2013 outlining 27 years of uh, discrimination against the LGBTQ community um, by the Salvation Army. So I just wanted to highlight a couple of points that she made. Um, Sorry, would you mind reading a couple of those? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I shouldn't say absolutely. It's going to make me sad. In 2012, the Salvation Army of Burlington, Vermont, allegedly fired a caseworker after discovering that she was bisexual. The church's employee handbook reads, in part... The Salvation Army does reserve the right to make employment decisions on the basis of an employee's conduct or behavior that is incompatible with the principles of the Salvation Army. My word. Later that year, Salvation Army spokesperson Major George Hood, man, what a name, 
Um, they reaffirmed the church's anti-gay belief, saying, a relationship between same-sex individuals is a personal choice that people have the right to make. But from a church viewpoint, we see that going against the will of God. <laughs> um, One more. Can we make it? <laughs> another point mentioned, as recent as 2017, more, alleged, uh, more allegations of discrimination against trans people, this time at the Salvation Army Substance Abuse Center in New York City, surfaced. Thank you for reading those. Wow. Three little paragraphs, and I am... Wow. Yeah. And, again, uh, it's one thing to... It's also something to consider that, like, um, this organization is a religious institution before it is a charity, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that is something to consider that, like, um, sometimes we have an idea about an organization because of the way that it's... um, commonly portrayed which i think right. more often the salvation army you think of it as a charity more than a religion i don't know mm-hmm. at least in my personal perception that was kind of always my idea yeah. um but i even found that chick-fil-a my friends and i like to call it hate chicken they don't speak <laughs> its name <laughs> um is <laughs> they're also obviously known for like a similar past of homophobic and discriminatory practices in their business but even they stopped associating with the Salvation Army because of Ooh. their harsh anti-LGBTQ stance. Um, so that was all the time I needed. <laughs> that it wasn't where I wanted my funds to go hate to. chicken was like, it's a little bit too much hate for me. It's a lot of hate. I need some sauce <laughs> to choke this down. <laughs> so, again, just because something is the most common doesn't mean it's the most right or the best. Yeah resounding yes Mm -hmm. um i have tried to hold myself more accountable about supporting or not supporting certain companies because of their perspectives on policy or how they treat their employees and i saw an infograph recently going around um during some union protests about avoiding specific brands at grocery stores (coughs) (laughs) though it can feel okay as an aside, really quickly, on Kellogg's. We need to do a bonus episode on Kellogg's because do you know the history of that brand and the man behind Kellogg's? No. Okay, I'm so excited to tell you about okay, it. Okay, all I think of is cereal, but there's more to it. There is okay. so much. <laughs> okay, but um, as I was saying <laughs> about this infograph, it can feel really overwhelming sometimes, and it isn't always feasible for some people because they might live in a food desert or in a small town, have limited finances, to be able to stand to their principles. Um, So, you know, everything that we're saying is obviously take to your own needs and discretion. Um, This is helpful and informational in helping you to make more meaningful donations to charities. And avoiding specific charities for certain reasons. But if you're unable to do that, don't riddle yourself with guilt. Um, no. We want your choices to be informed. And, and really, I mean, again, this the purpose is to inform our choices mm-hmm. more than anything. Like, this is um, for us to help ourselves um, and how we're distributing funds. Um, but it's also... Just something that, like, I think the more you know, the the better you can make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't have an awareness, then it's a lot harder to make um, a decision that's going to be most effective or efficient. I think about this a lot with organizations like, do you know the Operation Underground Railroad? Do I? Oh, you are? Um, it's very common to see a lot of support for it in uh, Utah and a lot of our circles. Um, and again, it's there are a lot of organizations that have good intentions, right? Mm-hmm. And that, like, has a very important cause. A cause that, of course, we would stand behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the execution of how they're trying to reach some of their goals, questionable at best. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and especially when they are... How to put this delicately? When they are led by a white man. A white man? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Thank you, but- Schmidt. <laughs> When they are led by a white man, um, there is going to be this, and and trying to help a community that they have no attachment to or no um, personal knowledge or understanding. Yeah. Honestly, I have no way to like put this delicately. It's like white yeah. saviorism. Yeah, to a T. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times the effects are more damaging mm-hmm. to the people who appear to be being rescued quote-unquote um and the yeah the psychological emotional and 
physical safety um, of these people can often be jeopardized um, by people trying to handle a problem that again they don't have the proper training or understanding of so again it's like we're talking about a lot of heavy things here um these issues are important again make the best decisions that you can with the information available to you Mm -hmm. most of what we're going to be talking through is just how do we find the best information yeah i love that okay so when you're trying to find information about an organization that you are thinking about donating to um i wanted to find an article that kind of walked through some tips for um what to look for um and any potential red flags that you should also Mm -hmm. be aware of um sorry would you mind reading the five tips i found in this times article Yes. Number one is write your philanthropic autobiography. Number two, give to the moment, not in a moment. In the moment. Decide if you want to make an impact locally or globally. Four is vet your charities. And five is think beyond dollars. Um, so I know that you're going to get into the nitty gritty of this, but I really like the first point in writing your philanthropic autobiography. Um, I've never heard to do that. And also that second point yeah, yeah, I'm excited to talk about all these. Things. Yeah, all of them, <laughs> all of them are great. Also, you said philanthropic a lot better than I was gonna say it. I was definitely gonna butcher that word, so I'm glad that I had you read that before me. <laughs> mm. Um, but yeah, uh, let's talk through step one first. Um, and before we even jump too far into this one, mm-hmm. can you take a guess? Just take a stab at it. What would a philanthropic autobiography be? So off the top of my head, I would assume it's kind of like your own personal mission statement in writing down what you're passionate about or you're supporting in life. Um, Yeah, am I even in the ballpark (laughs) with that? I was going to say no. No, you are. (laughs) You definitely are. Um, (laughs) We need like some kind of buzzer that's like, er. Um, no, so this can be as simple as making a list of like social causes that you care about. Um, if you're having trouble with where to start, um, the co-founder of an organization called Impact for Good, Alan Ranzer, he suggested that we think back to highs and lows of the last year in our lives. Um, he says, if the high was on a hiking vacation, for instance, maybe give to an organization that gets urban youth into the na- into nature. Conversely, if you lost a loved one to an illness or injury, a charity that helps fund research or raise awareness about that cause might be more meaningful to you. Those are really interesting. I I like the introspection that goes into making your choice. I loved it too. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the idea of, I also love the idea of getting high while on a hiking vacation. So, oh, (laughs) I read it wrong the first time. (laughs) Um, Okay, so looking back at the last year for you, uh, what events stand out to you as being something that you might want to focus your autobiography around? So again, definitely supporting those without shelter and homes when, because we put those kits together and distributed them during the winter of this last year. Um, also supporting and donating to LGBTQIA plus organizations. This is something that I was already passionate about, but after coming out as bi this year, it has become incredibly personal, personal to me. Um, yeah, and then I think if I was to do a third, um, I did a lot of research into autism organizations mm-hmm. um, because I realized some childhood trauma that I have had and the strained family relationships were because I was unaware of how to best support these family members and their autism. Yeah. Those are all so thoughtful. Um, <clears throat> and I love, again, I love that when we emphasize that donations that we make to causes that we feel passionate about um those donations are going to be um donations that we're going to stay engaged with so Mm -hmm. i think a big problem is like sometimes you can throw money at a cause or an organization thinking like oh it's a good cause and and it is um but when we don't have like the follow-up on where that money is going or the like long-term impacts of our investment um that can also that can also leave um, charities without consistent funding and consistent support, um, where I think any charity would much rather have 
um, donors who are passionate about the cause and who are going to be consistently involved in not just financial Mm -hmm. um, support, but also making sure that they have proper uh, volunteers and others who are passionate about as they have continued projects and continued um, missions that they're trying mm-hmm. to goals are trying to meet uh, that they have people who are invested over a long term period more than just like a short term period yeah I think that also rings true with what the um, what's the word the statistic you were reading earlier about how most people donate in the last three days of the mm-hmm. year it's kind of like a like an afterthought and, oh yeah let me just donate some yeah, money. We just here had this huge Christmas, got it. all these toys, got right. all these fun new electronic devices, and then, oh shoot, we better hurry and donate somewhere mm-hmm. to get that tax write off. Um, but that's not sustainable for organizations that do need consistent funding and consistent support. Um, have you ever like followed up with an organization after you donated? Not often enough, for sure. Um, I think I owe part of that to growing up paying tithing to a church that I was raised in, um, I just kind of assumed in every organization that it would go to what they said it would go to. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of assume that the the transparency is something that, like, every organization is held to. And we'll definitely talk more about, like, um, what to look for in terms of, like, what kind of statements um, an organization is willing to share with donors. Um, I never even thought about how, like, if you do make a donation to an organization, like, and you do follow up, they do kind of owe you answers about where those funds went, right? Exactly. Um, and so es- especially if it was for a specific um, goal or like it was kind of like a time sensitive um, effort that they were making to raise mm-hmm. money, like you do also want to know what were the effects? Like, did they raise enough? Yeah. What was the outcome of whatever, you know, project? As was? you're saying this, I'm thinking, man, one of the organizations or or uh, venues that I have donated to in the past that has been the best at this and like informing me, keeping me up to date. It has taken like zero effort on my part. Have been like grassroots politics stuff. Yeah, they you make like one donation, updating me. They will never stop emailing you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, who is this? <laughs> and they're like, hey, remember how you donated two dollars? Like. 10 years ago here's how my campaign's going yeah yeah exactly (laughs) which is really cool yeah love the follow-up so now that we've kind of talked through more the long-term effects of our donations uh let's talk a little bit more about you know the causes that we're donating to so step two is give to the moment and not in the moment uh and this is a reminder that especially in the aftermath of like a lot of natural disasters or humanitarian crises it's really common for a lot of different like crowdfunding efforts to be made Mm -hmm. a lot of charities will kind of pop up out of nowhere and then they'll tie their organization to whatever like the headline news is so the author of the times article emphasized that it's always better to rely on organizations that you're already familiar with and that you're putting your funds towards um established organizations versus new or unfamiliar charities that being said like new doesn't necessarily mean bad or unsafe I would just think of it as kind of like approach with caution. Right. So, and that reminds me a lot about like grocery stores. So a lot of times, you know, you're going to check out with your groceries and they're like, oh, do you want to round up 20 cents to Mm -hmm. such and such organization? Does this happen to you? Oh, yeah. All the time. There's a couple I can think of. Panda Express. Always. (laughs) It'll be like, so do you want to, you know, round your purchase up today to support breast cancer research? And of course, you're going to say yes, because if you say no... I was going to feel horrible. Yeah, you can't, you can't give away to nine cents. <laughs> yeah, you're like, so you don't care about breast cancer? Survive? Okay. I do care. Um, but one thing that is kind of sneaky is that a lot of times when these questions are poised, mm-hmm. um, they don't give us a lot of context about, they don't normally don't even name the organization, right? right? It's more like the cause they're talking about. So they say, oh, do you want to donate to support breast cancer research? And they're not saying like, for this specific organization yeah. or... Um, so I actually found in doing some digging into um, whether or not these are normally, like, good <clears throat> ways to support. Mm-hmm. Um, I found an example of a couple years ago, <clears throat> Taco Bell was running a campaign. This was in 2018. And they said, they were telling guests that they were raising funds towards scholarships and, like, furthering education for their employees. Which was, like, awesome, great, love that. Um, so they ended up raising over $14 million okay. in one year 
to go towards um, these employee scholarships. Uh, and then when you do a little bit more digging into where the funds were actually going, um, so it was going to a charitable organization or an established nonprofit that was associated with Taco Bell. Okay. And a lot of times that charity was donating to other charities. So, like, for example, the YMCA in Rapid City, South Dakota was getting a lot of funding. Huh. Uh, the Denver Zoological Foundation. So they were like, we have three niche employees that work both for us at Taco Bell and also the YMCA and the zoo. And the zoo. So this is their funding. <laughs> Please fund their education. What in the world? Um, so, again, it's not necessarily that any, either of those organizations are bad or not right. worth funding. Um, I hate the Denver Zoo. Right. No. Like, please, zoos could always use more donations. I wish that they use them better. But, mm-hmm. um, so it's not necessarily bad. But also, like, when you are um, being asked as a customer if you want to round up or, you know, donate to scholarships, mm-hmm. that's not something that you're assuming that you're donating to. Um, and then there was also a lot more as I was digging into it about how the, you know, the top level employees of the nonprofit working for this nonprofit were getting paid and absolutely insane salary. Um, and they're making so much money in this nonprofit sphere. Um, and so many of the funds that were supposed to be going towards scholarships were going right into their pockets. Right. So, so little of the actual like 14 million that was raised was going towards, um, the, the scholarship fund. That's so discouraging. So, and I think this happens a lot. It's not to say that, like, you should not round up your purchases. Um, it's, again, it's not bad, but all it is just giving a nice little call out to the uh-huh. fact that, like, as consumers, we're not often informed fully about where our funds are going, and especially when we are in a situation that there's like, a little bit of social pressure. Again, you don't want the person behind you in line to be like, wow, what an asshole. They they don't care about primary children's hospital? Like, no, of course I do. Um, But also, like, it's important to make sure that you know where your funds are going. Yeah. I think also part of the appeal of rounding up, and I see this completely from my own perspective, (laughs) so it could be no one else's appeal. Um, But for me, it's that perhaps you weren't thinking about that specific service or charity for some time, and it's, like, a good reminder, like, oh, yeah, I... Mm-hmm. I haven't supported them in a while. Of course, I don't mind. My total is 2012. Give the additionals. Give them. I, I thought you were going to say that the appeal is that it's an even number. Because I'm like, I do also. No, that, that the OCD in me is like, yeah. I love a good even number. Man, if they could get that with gas stations, I think yeah. that they would earn so much. Have you seen people just like go and oh, click, click, click? They click, will spend click, 20 click. extra minutes just going cent by cent so they can get the even $20. <laughs> I don't want to pay nineteen ninety eight for gas. No. <laughs> um, so... What would you say is a way that we can keep this in the forefront of our minds more often without having to be reminded to round your sense up or something like that? That's a good point. I think one thing would be if you, you know, if you do see an organization in, you know, you're going through a grocery store line or a fast food line and they do mention something and it like sparks an interest in you, you're like, oh, I wonder about that organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, maybe when you get home, like make a note on your phone or what I do is I like send myself a text so that I don't forget yeah. um, and make sure that you are doing a little bit of digging into it. And then maybe just like subscribe to their email campaigns um, so that you can see future fundraisers that they do. Um, and that also gives you another opportunity to dig a little bit deeper into how they're using their funds. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about like vetting those charities um, in the next section, but uh, yeah, making sure that those things stay on your mind. I think email campaigns are a great way to stay informed about how they're using their money. Yeah. And I think to your point about things being um, transparent, I was following along on a prominent social media uh, poster who had become really popular during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, They raised money for what he called Operation Flyaway, and it was to help fund evacuation flights for Afghan civilians fleeing Taliban rule. Did you hear about this person? I didn't. Okay, so his name's Marcus. He posted as Quentin Quarantino, and... Apparently, he had said that they had evacuated 300 people, uh, but those flights didn't exist. Oh. So, a bunch of his flights were canceled, and the money was gone somewhere. Um, oh. Because he's not a nonprofit or a an organization, really. He's just a social media account holder. He wasn't required to post financial or tax records, and so... 
those donations had poured in. In fact, I think that he had first labeled his target as being 550,000. Um, and it was going to be like the exact amount that would fund two flights and rescue at least 300 people. They hit it in like 80 minutes. Honestly, oh. when I saw that, I was kind of floored. I was like, wow, look at like how much people the- care. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then in two weeks, he they had exceeded the total. Um, and it... <laughs> It was seven point two million dollars, Kylie. Seven point two million dollars. Yeah. Um, But then when it was discovered that he wasn't using the donated funds as stated, and that he was kind of ruining some relationships um, with the Afghan people because he was not accounting for differences in culture and behavior, um, a lot of people were upset because they had donated these funds, they couldn't get these funds refunded, and um, some some people were speaking out saying like that's why you should go with organizations that have been around a long time or that are properly vetted or that have the need to be transparent right and they have they're already hopefully staffed with a representative sample of people who understand again those cultural differences and the specific needs of the people that they're serving um again I, i wouldn't want to donate to an organization that isn't properly representing any group that they are advertising that they're trying to support um and then on top of that also making sure that they have established ways of donating funds and of distributing funds Mm -hmm. and materials that make sense and that um that whole story is reading very much like fire festival you know the fire festival oh it's from a few years ago there's a yeah whole documentary about it but yeah essentially like again something someone misrepresenting how they're going to use funds right um so that's a big one. That's also why anytime I see someone post like a GoFundMe link, um, I'm like, I'm going to do a little digging. I'm going to go uh, full blown like Facebook stalking, trying to figure out who are these people, where are the funds going? And that is not because I'm careless or heartless. Um, but I'm also definitely the person who like, I see someone's like, my dog needs surgery and you know I'm like already crying mm-hmm. I'm like of course I want to donate to <laughs> spots surgery like mm-hmm. I you know so I'm like I, I'm very quick to like empathize but then there also needs to be some level of like okay is it logical the way that I'm right. you know giving these funds is it going to make the impact that I want it to make um so yeah definitely this also sparks a conversation for another day but it just makes me also question, like, how many of these uh, GoFundMe's or, um, you know, accounts that pop up for donations are so sad that they have to be made in the first place because they right. don't have access to some kind of resource Ooh. or funds. Anyways. Yeah, I was going to say, don't get me started on this. How many times someone's like, yeah, my mom needs a uh, kidney transplant mm-hmm. and can only get this if she raises enough funds on GoFundMe. Yeah. Okay, sorry, what? This should never be never be someone's reality Mm, yeah don't get me started and that's actually a great segue into step three which was uh determining if you want to make an impact locally or globally in your donations Mm -hmm. um and what does that mean to you sorry are you generally more likely to donate to a local or a global charity i think that in the past i have been more likely to donate to local charities i like being part of the community and helping on a micro level And it seems easier to interact with the organization that way. That being said, I think there are definite drawbacks because I'm not helping outside of my community then. And a lot of local organizations are not going to have the same funds that a global organization would or the checks and balances in place. Yeah, definitely. Uh, This one was like a big point that I know we we talked about a couple times in our discussion of this episode um, because both of us are big like local business always. Like we always Mm want to go to a local business my family makes fun of me because if we're going out to eat, they know I'm going to say that it has to be local. Um, but It's a good thing to be made fun of. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not the worst thing to be made fun of for. Um, but also something that was interesting that, like, this point, um, you know, got brought up in our discussion of this episode was, um, you know, even a, you think about a community that is more well-off and there's just generally more funds available in this community. Mm-hmm. If they were only donating local, then, like, that community is going to keep flourishing um, and communities that don't have access to the same funds um, to support themselves mm-hmm. 
are not going to be provided for. Um, and so it is important to think outside of our communities as well. Right. And there are going to be certain causes that, um, you know, if we're donating only to a local charity, um, again, like you said, they, they're not going to have the same access to um, employees to distribute the funds or distribute materials. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, especially if they're advertising that they are, trying to support a global cause but they are a local organization Mm -hmm. again we're talking about like representation they may not have a representative sample of the the group um, of people who they are trying to serve um so yeah i definitely don't want to like donate to a uh, utah-based organization that is like trying to um help they're probably going to say like help Africa. That's probably what they're going to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, we talked about this a little bit. Like, I think that there are always well-intentioned people involved right. in these things. There's going to be people that are trying to make money off of a sad situation yeah. as well. We know this, but the people that are well-intentioned, um, yeah, they might not be aware of how they can best cater to the needs of someone that is outside of their sphere mm-hmm. um, of contact and influence on a daily basis. Yep. And so you you start to drift towards that white saviorism mm-hmm. um, because it's coming from a place of privilege. You feel like you know better and what they need. And even though all the decisions that you're making are probably based off of like images or uh-huh. videos that could very well be like, propaganda or like things that aren't accurate to people's real experiences um the same reason why you know using your funds to go to travel to a different country and like build a school Mm -hmm. um may not be the most effective use of your funds and a lot of times there's already established organizations um that do have local employees that like if you were to donate to an organization that is based out of this country that you're trying to go to Uh um, and allow them to distribute the funds and pay their own employees and support that economy, um, those funds are going to be used very differently Mm -hmm. than if you were just to, like, pay out of pocket and be like, I'm going to go build a school. Right. Yeah. Do you think there are any drawbacks to global organizations and charities and nonprofits? Mm. I think... I mean, the flip can also, the, the flip yeah, side of that, it. right, uh-huh. is that um, kind of similar, like trying to apply one strategy or solution to problems that do exist on like micro yeah. levels too can also be a challenge, right? So if you're, if you were to say like, I'm trying to fight global poverty <laughs> or like wow. the global, um, you know, food shortage. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That's a really, really big problem. And, um, I think a lot of these organizations, um, you hope they have, you know, different practices in place based on the location that they're trying to yeah. serve. Oh, I really like that Kylie. And it's not it's like maybe, a one size fits all, right? Yeah. Okay. You know how like around the holidays people be like, well, my one true wish is world peace. Like, <laughs> thank you, Miss Provo. <laughs> yeah. Or who, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and I am I'm not knocking that wish for an individual. Like, I also want people to get along. Of course. Um, and societies and countries and cities and communities to thrive. But I think when something is so broad in its scope, then you're kind of left with, like, what to do. So, like, maybe that's right. a topic that, like, if that's something you're passionate about, world peace, you focus it on a micro level, on a local level. Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do in my community so that there is peace. Absolutely. Yeah. And then also making sure that if you are if you are going to focus on a global charity, that, again, you've done the proper vetting to make mm-hmm. sure that um, the way that they're using their funds is effective. Uh, make mm-hmm. sure that you understand the history of the organization. Like, why did it originate? And what need, what is their priority? Like, what need are they trying to fulfill? And again, kind of going back to the idea of us already having made kind of a list of you know, causes that we're passionate about. A lot of times these bigger global organizations, it's not just going to be like, oh, we're trying to solve food shortage globally, right? They're probably going to have a list of priorities Mm -hmm. and their funds are probably going to be used towards many different causes. um, And you need to decide if like, if there is one specific cause that's most important to you that you want to make sure that your funds are going somewhere that, you know, they're just focused on this. Or if you don't mind that they're focused on five or six different like key objectives i wonder if this already exists if not it should exist someone should create some kind of website or app or platform that has a list of 
all kinds of nonprofits and charities and organizations in it. And you could take your personal statement or mm. your, oh my goodness, philanthropic statement. Auto, autobiography. Autobiography. Um, and you like place it in a search bar and there's like all these filters or something so that you can narrow it down to something that matches like with what mm. you want to do and your goals and how you can be accountable. Oh, that'd be awesome. Okay. Uh, let's get started on that. Okay. <laughs> you, you got it, right? <laughs> I don't have any idea how to start that, but um, there are a lot of good um, resources already in place for at least vetting mm, yeah. charities. So that kind of is that step four is uh, to make sure that we are vetting our charities. And there's a lot of websites like guidestar.org, charitynavigator.org, charitywatch.org, givewell.org. We'll make sure all of those are listed um, in our show notes, but um, those all provide a good way to start looking into the financial history um, of all these organizations can also make sure that, again, you have the level of transparency that you want and how funds are being distributed. Um, A lot of times they are required to, again, post their tax records. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to know more than just what they're saying they're using the funds for, what are their funds actually being used for? So I thought we could also give it kind of like a test run. Um, so right, do you want to choose an organization and then we will do a quick search, um, on one of those sites and see what we find. Okay. How about Equality Utah? Perfect. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm pulling up, uh, Equality Utah on guidestar.org. Um, and as I'm clicking into it, it's cool. So it has like, initially it has their mission statement, um, some general information, um, what population are they serving, um, and then links to their tax forms, um, and also gives... how long it's been around. Oh, yeah, how long it's been around. Mm. Um, One thing that's cool at the very top as well, it gives a clear overview of their total expenses. Um, In this case, it's $68,689, and then what revenue they're making. So their annual revenue, which in this case is $0. So they're not actively making revenue. It gives reviews that people have left about their interactions um, with that organization. Um, and then, sorry, do you want to kind of describe what some of the other like graphs are showing? Yeah, there's one for like funding sources um, and assets and liabilities. Those are both bar graphs. Um, I love all the visuals because I'm definitely like a visual person. They have a business model indicator um, section where they're just talking about the percentages of their revenue or expenses. Um, Yeah, how much is going towards um, personnel? How much is, uh, how much are they making on like membership dues? That's mm -hmm. interesting. Or like government grants. They uh, they even talk about who is all on the board and who their employees are and mm. what what they're paid, what their salary is. I love that. That's a very interesting graph. Um, yeah, they also have any um, related organizations, so organizations that they might also be like partnering with. Um, so that's that would also be something interesting to look at is uh, if you are again specifically trying to ensure that your funds are going towards one cause um you might want to also look into the relationship between one nonprofit and another Mm -hmm. if they're partnering together are they sharing funds what does their partnership look like understanding that relationship as well i really love this this is so helpful and this is just one of the sites that you listed yeah super clear and then again if you are a visual person like me um this helps a lot because i think the idea of having to look into any financial information is incredibly intimidating for me because um, I can't even make my own budget. I <laughs> Money is, yeah, money is hard for me. Um, so, but being able to look at a graph, I'm like, oh, okay, there's colors. Um, there's simplified this numbers. Is research. I can do research. <laughs> I can do research. Uh, yeah, normally I'm definitely a words person more than a numbers person. Um, but yeah, these these sites are very helpful. So definitely check it out. And that brings us to step five. Uh, Step five is to think beyond dollars. Um, This is especially important for anyone who, uh, like us, is living like a poor college student, whether or not you're even in college, which I'm not, but I'm still uh, a college student at heart. Um, (laughs) Or in funds. You can take the Kylie out of school, but you can never take 
the poor aspect of school out of Kylie. Yeah, nope. Always, always on that budget that I can't create. So, um, think about how your time or professional skills could also be used to support the organizations that you care about. Um, couple more websites uh, to check out. So there's one called volunteermatch.org and then there's another called catchafire.org. Both of them are organizations um, that will help you match with um, nonprofits who could use either pro bono work done mm -hmm. uh, or that just need general volunteer assistance. So we've done both of those ones before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. both of those ones are, yeah, again, very easy to navigate, very user-friendly. Um, and also I'm like always kind of surprised that um, they pretty much have stuff in every area. Like I know we use this when I was living out in North Carolina in some like really small towns. Oh. Um, and there would, you know, there was local libraries listed or, you know, local city centers listed that needed mm -hmm. Um, volunteers or that could match us with nonprofits that we um, cared about their cause. So um, make sure that you do check those out as well. Again, those will be in the notes for the episode. Um, but do you have any other ways like Sarai that you were thinking that, uh, you know, people can think about donating something besides money? Spreading awareness, definitely. So posting to social media or sharing within your circle of friends, family, acquaintances, um, all of that takes no money very little effort and mm -hmm. some of the organizations that I have come to support and stand for were initially shared to me by someone else. Um, I think that this goes for both local and global charities um, and nonprofits. I love that. And also again, kind of um, after going through the rest of the steps, also just making sure that we are vetting what we share on social media as well. Yeah. And your story, uh, you know, that was kind of like a good reminder to me as well that like sometimes we're quick to repost something mm -hmm. or share something um that again the cause is something that we care about but maybe we haven't done enough digging right. um so that's kind of like my own personal goal which I mean we're gonna talk through like our challenge but uh, I do have another personal goal of just making sure that I'm more intentional about what I'm posting and where the information is coming from it can be so hard I think with social media it's very easy to repost and um uh, things are created in a way that clickbaits you right 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 it's like oh i see this picture you know i very moved immediately got my attention a lot of emotion mm -hmm. um so yeah gonna make sure that i share this with everyone i know but now that we know like what we do um and like using those five steps hopefully we can hold ourselves more accountable to using our funds in ways that are meaningful um to us so again this is not to discourage you um, from donating, like, mm -hmm. no, donate, um, like use your funds. And also again, the other resources that you have available, your time, your energy, your talents, um, to, um, go towards causes that you care about. So, um, this week I am going to challenge us to sit down, take time to write out. And again, like physically write out our philanthropic autobiography mm -hmm. or in simple kindergarten terms, which I normally appreciate. <laughs> Just a list of causes that are meaningful to you. Um, take the top three and then do some digging into organizations that will support those causes. Mm. And then out of the organizations that you find, maybe which of them are going to be most meaningful or effective in how they're distributing funds. Um, which are the most transparent in how they are handling their funds. And then just keep a note somewhere that's easily accessible to you uh, with those organization names, with information, anything that you find. Um, and then the next time that you have some extra either time or money that you want to put towards these organizations, uh, you will already have that list ready made. Mm -hmm. And you can, again, very quickly and easily make a donation um, already having done the research in advance. I think one hard thing is, you know, maybe you have some extra like Christmas cash right, right. now or you maybe if you get a paycheck that's a little bit more than you expected and you do have funds that you want to donate a lot of times in that moment you're not thinking like oh let me go do all that work to vet mm -hmm. and to you know again it might just be that the first thing that comes up that you are remotely interested in you're going to put those funds towards mm -hmm. um but i think taking some time proactively to do the research and to do the digging will help so that when you do have the funds available then you can use them do you know what i think was really sweet actually i someone i work with um, they mentioned that they and their sister have kind of different financial backgrounds. Like one makes a lot more than the other. And it just kind of felt a little bit uncomfortable to exchange gifts because you felt pressure to mm. get them exactly what they want, but it might be out of your budget, etc. So what they do is they ask them what is their favorite charity 
and then they just donate money to that charity for that person. I love that. Gift. I thought that was really sweet. And then you can, again, you can donate what you have available, what your resources allow. Exactly. Um, and also, like, in a way that's so meaningful because you also know that that person's funds are going towards a cause that you care mm-hmm. so much about. Yeah. Whew. I'm not getting emotional, but someone did once make a donation like that for me, and it... Aww. Yeah, anyways, it was a very meaningful gift. So, anything else that you want to personally commit to, Soraya? I am going to do, as you said, and write my philanthropic autobiography this week, and I want to look at the organizations that I currently support and see if they are transparent. Um, additionally, I want to add to my schedule every month that I reflect on my support of those organizations or new organizations, um, and then I consistently look through look at it throughout the year so every month I'll do like a little check-in with myself on my philanthropic work and interests and yeah so that's something that I'm consistently thinking about I love that because there's always like new things that I think we also like as a new event takes place Mm -hmm. or as we gain more information and understanding again with this podcast is another great example like Mm -hmm. every single week I'm like oh there's something else I care about (laughs) um it can feel overwhelming but I like that even just having like spaced out times already set aside to check in um, can be an easy way to make an overwhelming task a little bit, you know, more doable. Exactly. With that, we have issued the challenge to ourselves, to you as listeners, and we will be following back up on this challenge in our next episode. Thanks for listening, y'all. Stay curious, folks. And remember to keep asking, but but now now what? what?